Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 22nd of August of 2020. And the article I'm going to be discussing was actually published yesterday in JAMA, which is titled Effect of Remdesivir versus Standard Care on Clinical Status at 11 Days in Patients with Moderate COVID-19. I'm going to break that down in English for you, of course. But before I get started, some disclaimers. Uh, It's tiring to always have to say this, but you know, got to protect myself so people don't come back and try to sue me or whatnot. But none of this is medical advice. I recommend that you read the article for yourself. The article is free. You could go to the show notes and find the links to go ahead and download it. You have no excuse to read it for yourself. You shouldn't trust me. These are my opinions. And this particular podcast is going to be filled with a whole bunch of bias. You really can't say that I'm not transparent with you all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So since I already admitted the fact that I have a bias against remdesivir, I will say that I don't think that remdesivir is a game changer by any stretch of the imagination, at least based on the studies that have come out to date. And again, today's the 22nd of August. I don't think that this is is that revolutionary game-changing drug that, you know, Fauci was touting on on the media. But Obviously, my opinion is subject to change with future studies. After all, I could be wrong. But my program director, when I was doing my my fellowship in critical care, he used to say about interventions looking for an indication. And I guess you could apply this to this particular pharmacologic agent, which is looking for an indication. I mean, they've tried it against every viral illness under the sun over the last couple of years. And that's all listed in the in the article. So read it for yourself. But one of the very troubling things about this, and, you know, this has to do with big pharma and whatnot, but Gilead, the company that actually makes remdesivir, has spent $2.45 million lobbying Congress in the first month of 2020. And this is something that's documented in articles, and it's also my blog post so that you can see where I got the information from. But, you know, a drug company having to lobby Congress in order to have make it have some good favor and perhaps being portrayed in a positive light in the media. I mean, that's not something I'm personally a fan of. And then who knows how much they've, how much more money they've spent on lobbying since. I mean, I covered remdesivir on two other occasions back in April of April 11th, as well as April 30th of this year. And I mentioned that a five-day course of this medication is currently $3,120 in the United States. I mean, it's, it's not a cheap drug, guys, by any, any stretch of the imagination. I know that people get, you know, all fired up about lack of positive trials and lack of outcomes with, you know, when I discuss uh, the vitamin C trial, but that's ultimately $6 a dose. And so that's, we're not talking about a medication therapy that costs $3,120. I don't understand where the lack of vitriol is for, for this product when, you know, the outcomes are not as good as one would think. At the end of the day, I like cheap, non-toxic, affordable therapies. 
And so far, out of all the trials that have come out of remdesivir, the only benefit found was in a clinical trial where it shortened the time to recovery from 15 days to 11 days. Even in that study, there was no, there was no mortality benefit. And so I know some people will say, oh, well, you know, Eddie, this is going to go ahead and say four days of hospitalization. Four days of hospitalization is uh, more expensive than the $3,100, yada, yada, yada. But you also have to look at the number needed to treat to actually find that benefit. I mean, it doesn't work on absolutely everybody, but that's an aside. Now that I got a lot of my rant over with, getting back to the article, which was published on the 21st of August of 2020, it was published in JAMA. The authors are Spinner and others. And for the sake of historical context, because you always have to look at, especially in the case of this pandemic, when the trial took place, because the way patients were managed may be different than what it is today being August. And that being said, the, the trial took place between March and April of 2020. It was a hundred and something different studies in uh, across a couple of different continents. And what I mean by that is that dexamethasone, which is at this time the only the only treatment regimen that we have that has been shown to decrease mortality in oxygen requiring in oxygen requiring patients. Well, yeah, like dexamethasone at this point, at the point of this study, was not standard of care. If, if I recall correctly, less than 20% of patients in all three arms of the study received any type of steroids. The first question we all need to have is, did they start remdesivir early? And what patient population did they choose to do it in? Well, in my opinion, yeah, they started pretty early. I mean, these patients were on room air, SATs greater than 94%. They did have moderate COVID pneumonia on chest x-ray. But it's not like they were inflaming ARDS or anything like that. And part of the troublesome thing about doing any of these studies is that finding the right starting point is key. So this one, they they appear to have started pretty early. Uh, in other words, this means that the patients hadn't reached the cytokine release stage of their illness or the inflammatory stage, depending on whatever, whatever we, you want to call it. And they also excluded patients with renal failure as well as liver failure. It appears the distribution between the three groups, which I'm going to get into shortly, it appears the distribution of these three groups appears to be pretty fair. Next up, let's look at the design and the dosing of remdesivir. And this is a randomized open-label trial where they compared on a one-to-one-to-one ratio, in other words, three groups, between a five-day course of remdesivir, a 10-day course, and standard care. This was an open-label trial, and ultimately they were trying to get 200 people into each arm. They ended up with slightly under that with 584, but that's okay. And then the dosing that they received was 200 milligrams IV of remdesivir on day one, followed by 100 milligrams IV daily for the subsequent days to complete either a five-day course or a 10-day course, depending on which arm they got randomized to. Now, if the liver enzymes, which is something you definitely have to watch out for in patients with remdesivir, or renal function went to the toilet, I guess you could say, they stopped the remdesivir in those patients. If the patients did get well enough, though, that they could go home before finishing the trial, they just stopped the study drug, which I think that this is appropriate. Other factors to consider when you look at the, the study, especially the time that the study took place, which, as I mentioned before, was between March and April of 2020, they were, they were receiving concomitant medications, which can muddy the waters. And that includes steroids, which as I mentioned before, it was less than 20% of the population. 
hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, Kalitra, which is an HIV drug called uh, lopinavir slash uh, or dash ritonavir, tocilizumab, as well as azithromycin. Now I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a joke here, so don't mean to upset some people, but it's kind of comical that people have such vitriol against hydroxychloroquine that it kills people, and so 58% of the people in the control arm received hydroxychloroquine, and by the way, there was no increased risk of death. The primary outcome of this study was something called a clinical status endpoint, and they actually changed their endpoint during the study. They explained why they did it, but again, the primary outcome was clinical status on day 11, and this was on a seven-point scale. As a spoiler alert, this although this was statistically significant for the five-day course, the authors state that this is of, quote, uncertain clinical importance. Why is that, you ask? Well, the clinical status was ultimately based on whether the patient was dead, which thankfully only happened in six patients of almost 600, uh, patients who were hospitalized with different O2 modalities or discharged. When we look at all the patients involved in the study, whether they got remdesivir or not, the, and again, these are hospitalized patients. We're not talking about outpatients here. We're looking at a 1% mortality rate for all comers. That's honestly not as bad as it could be, especially that this trial took place back in March and April when we weren't doing as good a job at taking care of these patients as we are today, or at least we think we are. There was also no difference in improvement of clinical status, time to recovery, time to modified recovery, and weaning off of oxygen. No difference in any of those things. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So what does this tell us? This is my opinion, guys. So again, read the article for yourself. A 10-day course of remdesivir should not be in our arsenal. I mean, it didn't show any benefits whatsoever over the five-day course. And at least in this patient population at at this particular time in the history of COVID. And the other thing that's a big takeaway point is that this medication is not as efficacious as we all need it to be. And it's not as efficacious as some government officials want it to be, if we're being completely honest. Let's do some math, because at the end of the day, resources aren't unlimited. We can't throw a dollars $3,200, $3,200 drug at everybody without it having some good, good outcomes, guys. You know, let's say that hypothetically, this, this trial was not industry-sponsored, because it was industry-sponsored. And if it's industry-sponsored and it still doesn't have phenomenal outcomes, that leads you down the path of a little bit more reality. But... They gave the, wow, my voice just cracked there. <laughs> they, they gave a therapy that costs $3,120 to 384 people. The total cost for this trial just on study drugs was $1.2 million. And they spent $1.2 million for a, quote, uncertain clinical effect, end quote. At our facilities, we're prescribing remdesivir now like candy in our, quote, do everything approach, because, you know, we have to do absolutely everything for our patients. 
the question that we should ask is, should we cut the cord on this drug like we have for others that have not shown clear-cut mortality benefits or benefits in clinical outcomes? I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Should we just bail on this? Or is there another subset of population where we want to spend another million dollars to see if it works? Uh, it's, it's just troublesome to me, again, because people have such strong opinions towards one drug that you know, it's cheap versus uh, looking at drugs that are expensive like this and, and just not covering it and not ignoring it. But those are my two cents. I appreciate your attention for this time. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Like, subscribe, all the things you could do to help me out. I'd greatly appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Bye.